Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. Each week, we'll be talking with real people with real stories about things they have not said or done or have said or done in their workplace that required bravery. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Ed Everts, and I'm the founder and president of Excellius Leadership Development. Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. I hope you'll listen to our past podcast conversations, and if you'd like to hear past episodes, go to BeBraveAtWork.com, subscribe to our podcasts, and learn some valuable lessons about bravery at work. My new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High-Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Success, is now available in paperback, on Kindle, and in audio at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and any online book retailer you prefer. Check out Drive Your Career today. Our podcast today is sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies. Based in Woburn, Massachusetts, Cabot Risk Strategies has created innovative and customized insurance strategies for individuals and families, businesses, nonprofits, commercial real estate, and public entities. Cabot's client base continues to expand both within the region and within the markets they serve. And if you are looking for customized insurance services and solutions, contact Cabot at 800-222-5963 or visit them for more information at cabotrisk.com. I'm really excited to welcome as our next guest on Be Brave at Work, Sri Chalapa, the president and co-founder of Engagedly, a people and strategy software that helps leaders build highly engaged, high-performance organizations. Sri has spent over 20 years in leading organizations in software development consulting in the U.S. With a unique background in technology, people management, health IT, and interestingly, film writing, directing, and production. I hope we'll hear a little bit about that. Shree brings a diverse set of experiences across industries and specialties to build high-performing, highly engaged organizations, which of course include people who have a tendency to be braver at work. Shree, welcome to Be Brave at Work. Thank you, Ed. It's a pleasure to be here. We're really excited to be chatting with you today, and I did a light intro of you, and I think our listeners would love to hear a little bit more about your background and what has brought you to do the work that you do today. Yeah, so just a quick background. You know, I moved from India when I was 21, so I consider myself living the American dream as an immigrant. So I think, you know, one of the ways I would describe myself is I like doing different things, exploring my creative outlets. And not just think of work as just work, but think of work as a creative process to experience, love, and grow into. So that's what's led me to do different things, like working on different startups, running different startups, you know, making movies, making music. I actually own a recording studio now as well. So there's a lot of different avenues I get myself involved, myself into because of the opportunities that gives you to live your full life. Yeah, it sounds like you have a lot of interests. And Sri, I'm just wondering, and if you're okay talking about it as someone who is not born in the U.S. but came to the U.S., I'm just wondering if there were opportunities or even requirements to be brave, right? As somebody who wasn't born into this culture or didn't grow up in this culture, you know, go to junior high and high school in the United States, when you came uh, here at the age of 21, Were there moments of bravery that you needed to demonstrate or pursue to help you? Yes, several. You know, I go back to the time I came to this country with a little around $3,000 in my pocket or in my bank account, if you will. And as you know, that doesn't last very long. So essentially... Maybe a couple of weeks. Yeah. Well, it did last me a semester of my college, right? It lasted me a semester. 
and I was down to my last two dollars in the bank account. And the the funny part, or the sad part, I guess, in some ways, is that as a student, you cannot work; you can only go to school. At least that's that's how it was back then. And you could work in the school if you could find a job in the campus, which is obviously competitive, and they paid exactly a minimum wage, which was four dollars and twenty five cents back then. So you but you could work. not you could not have a job outside of school. I could not. No. No, so I could only work. So even though I was an engineer, I was doing a master's, I could have, you know, literally worked for a decent job working for some engineering company. And I couldn't. So I was basically stocking shelves at uh, the library in the library or doing security guard work at the dorms at night, you know, doing things like that, which was fine by me because that's what I needed to do to survive and pay my bills and Eventually, I obviously racked up a lot of debt and credit cards to some extent, but I did have a scholarship, so I didn't have to pay my school tuition. So I, at least that was covered. I think the brave thing I did at that time is is really make a conscious choice to live the life I wanted to live. And what I did is I had a full fellowship for a PhD program in biomedical engineering with Saint Jude Research Hospital, which is a very popular research hospital. It's a it's a golden opportunity for it's very it's very hard to get into that. They only gave out two fellowships in a year, and I was one of the fellowships they gave out that year in St. Jude Research for this program. I gave that up, even though it it was security, it was a path to getting a PhD with a world-class research hospital, because I did not want to pursue that as my career anymore. I wanted to be in business and entrepreneurship and do more creative things. And I decided to give that up and really went back to living in the state of penury, if you will, to pursue the dreams of actually going back to business school. So I actually gave up almost a year of schooling to restart my master's again in business school. I don't know if I would call that bravery or not, but to me, it's not a risk many people would take. I had to take a chance because I believe that's my path. That was my destiny is to be an entrepreneur. And I took that chance and it, you know, it, it was a hard, hard decision. It was a hard battle, but I fully believed that if I pursued it, because I knew I could be good at it, it would work out and it so far it seems to have. Well, I think a lot of people upon reflection wish they had led the life they wanted to lead. A lot of people don't always feel that way. They feel they got on the roller coaster of employment or life and look back 20, 30 years later and say, why am I here? What am I doing? This isn't me. This isn't what I thought I wanted to do. And it sounds as though this is something that was very, very important to you. Do you know why it was important to you? I mean, why do you feel that you wanted to lead, although this sounds like an obvious question, why did you want to lead the life that you wanted to lead? Yeah, actually, you know, there are two things. So the, it, the, what makes it even harder decision from my perspective as an immigrant is that I didn't have any relatives here or cousins or anybody, right? So if I failed, I would basically be on, on my next ship back home. Right. So that was a big chance. It's not like I can move into my mom's basement or anywhere else. Right. So you have to succeed. There's, I burnt all the bridges at that point. So and so my, to me, my philosophical approach was I worked my ass off to get to this country, you know, through my undergrad, through my high school and a lot of immigrants do, to be honest. Right. Even if you are the one who swam across Rio Grande, they're working their ass off to get here, whether they came here legally or illegally. What I believe is that when you get here, this country offers a lot of opportunities. And if you just want to live an ordinary life, why, why, why do that, right? You fought so hard to get to these opportunities, to live the life you really wanted. And everybody's definition of life they wanted is different. So I'm not going to judge anybody and I shouldn't. 
but my life I wanted was to be an entrepreneur. I wanted to build businesses. I wanted to, you know, create a new things in life and not be the one who sought a job, but one who created jobs, right? And that was one of the things that my professor in my undergrad in India told me, don't be the person looking for a job, be the person who offers other people jobs. And I think I believed in that. That's how, and I said, that's what I want to be. So if I came here and I did exactly what I was going to do in India, then what's the point of having all this effort, you know, being 11,000 miles away from home and just doing ordinary things when I have, you know, taken extraordinary effort to get there? I don't know if that makes sense. It does. You know, I'm just stunned by the earliness of your decision, right? Because again, I think for a lot of folks, it's something they <clears throat> think about upon reflection and not at such an early age where they, um, you know, think about these types of decisions that are influential, right? I mean, this had a significant influence on your life and clearly led you in a direction that you wanted to go. A lot of people don't make that decision because they want that year of employment or want the money and, you know, just to get going and to start working on that roller coaster of employment. And it just sounds like it was something that was so important to you that you were prepared to make sacrifices in order to get there. Yeah, thank you. I mean, basically, I would summarize it this way, right? I didn't do all that work and fly 11,000 miles away from my family, my friends and everything I knew to just punch a clock. That just doesn't make sense. It's logical, you know, but it doesn't make sense. <laughs> right, right. So tell us about Engagedly, and, and we will talk about bravery at work as well. But, you know, what is the platform and what are or who are the clients that you're looking to provide services to? Yeah, so Engagedly, as it, as the word implies, is to really build a highly engaged and high-performing workplace. So it's a platform to allow organizations to help their People have a voice in their organization, feel connected, have growth and development at their workplace, and have transparency across different levels of the organization. So they are working as one cohesive unit for one mission as an organization. So the platform allows you to do all those things. Obviously, the organizations have to have culturally readiness to be able to do that. So the platform allows you to uh, to do that. The The reasoning behind Engagedly is very simple, right? And it goes back to, I guess, my own philosophy as well. You spend most of your day at work, you know, most of your conscious and high energy hours at work. You know, you spend, un unfortunately, you spend a lot of your low energy work <laughs> hours at home because you're tired from work. But that shouldn't be the case. You shouldn't be the case where you're looking forward to that Friday 5 p.m. on the clock because we believe at Engagely that work should be fun. It should be it should be part of your life. Work is not outside of your life. It is part of your life, and you should have a fulfilling work life because otherwise you're you're wasting away some of your best hours and best days of your life at work. Well, I love this idea, which I am assuming your organization supports. You know, people talk about work life balance. And I've never felt that that was the appropriate term because it sounds as though they're two separate entities when in reality you are one person. And to me, it's more about, you know, the work-life relationship, right? Everybody's balance is different. Some people work all the time and don't, you know, aren't home a lot. Some people are home all the time and don't work, right? Whatever it might be. But it's, you know, what is your work-life relationship as opposed to balance? Because when you say balance, it makes people think there's an answer, right? That you have to be balanced between work and life. And I don't think there is a balance that it varies by day, it varies by hour, it varies by week. And, you know, you just want to find the best relationship that can help you be an effective family member as well as a effective contributor at work. 
Yeah, I mean, to me, separating work from life is oxymoron because you're living your life at work. So your life is, work is part of your life, right? So I think it's more work-life integration is, is the word I've, I've seen people throw around or juxtaposition is another word I've seen people use as well. To me, you know, work is part of your life. You, so you want to optimize that part of your life as well. You want to optimize your family time. You want to optimize your fun time, your creative time, your time where you maybe re relax and recharge, all of that. All of that is part of life. I think you should try to look at each of them. How do I do best at what I've got? Now, some people, clearly people like me, you know, are cursed with, <laughs> with their desire to work more than they should. So I obviously work a lot because that's what fulfills me to a big extent. You know, I, I find a lot of fulfillment in my work, whether it is work related to directly working on Engagely or whether it is work related to, you know, working in some of my other aspects. Uh, like filmmaking or making music or running my own podcast that I do as well. So to me, all of that is part of part of work. Some of, the, some of that work pays and some of that work doesn't pay, but it's still work. Right. Well, and I like this idea of work being a part of life because you should also enjoy your work, right? It shouldn't be an and, an and or relationship that it's work or life. But I hope people enjoy their work. If they don't, then they have the self-awareness built to do something about it and look for a different opportunity, but ensure that as part of their life, where work plays a factor or is a factor that they do work that they enjoy. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know what? It, it's easy, I guess, for people listening to this podcast to think, hey, you are the boss. So it's easy for you to say that, but I'm the person who has to pay the bills. So I have to work this job, even though I don't like it. And I, I understand that. You know, I have been on the cusp of layoffs before and I feel for you. And I, I've been on both sides of the equation myself. So I, I understand it. But I think what needs to really, people need to really think about the bigger perspective is not just the employee, but the manager also, you know, have a relationship with your manager and, and, the, and for the managers, have a relationship with the employee so that you're optimizing the employee's strengths and their interests so that they're enjoying the work more than dreading it. You know, there are parts, there are parts of your work you will not enjoy, right? There are maybe reports you have to write or PowerPoints you got to make or things you got to do that you may not enjoy, but they should be minimized to the extent possible and optimized of things that they do enjoy. And I think that's a discussion that every manager and employee should have. Every management should have internally on their culture of their workplace. And I think we are seeing more and more of that now. You know, people are like, okay, I don't like this work. I don't like the way you treat me. I don't like the fact that you're asking me to come into work every day, even though I have, a, you know, a kids to take care of, daycare to drop kids off at. I'm just going to quit. And 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 I want more power to them. That's that, that's what, exactly what they should do, because there are other companies who can get that right talent to that extent. So I feel that the power is shifting to where employees are making the call that I don't enjoy this work, so I'm going to quit. And and that's perfectly fine. It's it's to me, even as an employer, if somebody says, I don't really enjoy this work, I want to leave, I I will help them find the right next opportunity. Well, in the Be Brave at Work world, we talk a little bit about this experience of relationship and we use that word very specifically, that in order for you to be brave with somebody that you work with, which is saying something that needs to be said or doing something that needs to be done, regardless of the impact that, and of course, you always do it respectfully and professionally, that you need to have a relationship with that person. You know, if you walk into somebody's office that you barely know and say, hey, I want to tell you something that you don't want to hear, that person's receptivity to it is going to be marginal. If somebody that they've worked with and they have a really good relationship at work 
with and comes to their office and wants to talk to them about something, their likelihood for listening and vetting and talking about it is deeper and more likely to have an impact. Right. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and when you look at the Engage Lead tool tree, is there any role of bravery or, you know, where does bravery play a role in being more engaged at work? I don't mean to throw you a curveball question, but you know, I'm curious what your thoughts are. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Actually, one of the big things about Engagely's philosophy in its product is transparency and giving candid feedback. So we have a tool called Goals and OKRs, where the transparency of setting goals starts at the top. So as a leader, if you're the VP of ops or VP of you know HR or or even the CEO, you are expected in that product to set your goals up front. So that way you're committing to that goal. And then that gives everybody below you the confidence to create their own goals and make that transparent to everybody else in the organization. So now everybody is making their goals transparent so that we are all aligned. Obviously, this requires a cultural shift. So now you're actually committing to something saying, I will deliver on these three or four things this quarter or this year or whatever the time frame is. We, pr- we prefer quarters. And to me, that's being a brave and taking a stand. And then if it doesn't work out the way it does, and, and that's okay because you at least give it a good shot. And then we learn from that. We improvise and we improve on what the impediments were to achieving that goal. And then make sure that we take that retrospective into the next quarter. To me, that's bravery, right? Knowing that I am being completely open about what I'm planning to achieve and everybody knows about it. So my work is now exposed to everybody else in the organization. That's a that's a culture we want organizations to have in general and not... And have that psychological safety to say that, you know, I tried my best and here's why it didn't work. Or I did, was able, I was able to succeed and here's what I did so that other people can learn from that and implement that into their own activity. So that's an example. Well, I would, well that's a great example. And I would agree with you that this belief of sharing with others what it is you want to work on. And I believe statistically people have shown that your likelihood of achieving it is greater if other people know about it. So if I'm attempting to lose 10 pounds and I'm the only one who knows it, the likelihood of me losing it is marginal. But if my significant other and my brothers and sisters and my parents, my friends all know that I want to lose 10 pounds, they're going to remind me, they're going to ask, they're going to check in. And my likelihood for losing that weight is greater. So like your system, being very transparent and clear on what it is you want to do is increasing the likelihood that you'll make good progress. I'm not suggesting you will hit the goal 100% of the time, but your likelihood for hitting it is greater because you're being completely transparent and clear, which are also factors in being brave at work, that you want to be transparent and clear with others so that they know what is fully expected of them. Yes. Actually, there's been a lot of research done on this, on the goal setting, actually. If people Google goal setting theory, there's a lot of research done on that subject where they actually proved that setting goals and making them transparent to everybody else increases likelihood, I think, by 30% or 40% based on all the so that's significant. research. And that's just the fact of setting that. You're not nothing else. Just setting it and looking at it and having that transparent. Just doing that alone increases your likelihood of success. Yeah, it's significant, right? The likelihood of you achieving it is significant if you share it with others. Right, right. Absolutely. Well, Sri, it has been great chatting with you today on Be Brave at Work. And if folks want to talk with you more or find out more about what you're currently doing, how can they reach out and find you? Yeah, absolutely. So 
our product, our company is engagedly.com, E-N-G-A-G-E-D-L-Y.com. They can obviously connect with me directly at on LinkedIn. It's Sri Chalapa or Srikant Chalapa. I'm the president of Engagedly. I also have my own podcast where I talk to people strategy leaders about leadership and it's called People Strategy Leaders Podcast. It's available everywhere else as well. So and then if they want to check out my movies and music, you know, if they Google my name, my movies and music will come up on different channels that they can watch. And if you like the movie, give us a good rating. If you don't like it, don't tell anybody else. <laughs> Brilliant marketing strategy. Thank you. Well, Shri, it has been great chatting with you today on Be Brave at Work. Thank you, Ed. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us today. And we hope you join us on our next podcast conversation as we further explore being brave at work. We also remind you to subscribe to our podcast at BeBraveAtWork.com and or download and listen to our podcast on multiple online platforms. We are everywhere. Our podcast today was sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies, whom you can reach at 800-222-5963 or visit them for more information at CabotRisk.com. And a reminder to check out my new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High-Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Own Success, which is available in paperback, on Kindle, and in audio everywhere online. Do you have something to say, yet are not saying it? Do you have something to do, yet are not doing it? Now is the time to be brave at work. Have a great week.